So welcome back, uh, 2021, and we're here at episode 54 of the Silly Goose Gang podcast, and we're delighted to be joined by Iris Gardner. So Iris, thank you very much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. It's, uh, it's, it's quite funny, Ali, when you just said 2021. It doesn't, that doesn't seem real. Like every year now that goes past, like, that doesn't seem real. Like how, how is this 2021? Um, but yeah, thank you for thank you for joining us, Iris. Um, this is a... Uh, a great way to get back on the horse, so to speak, and uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, we're we're excited. You know, actually speaking of horses, I never knew I wanted a horse uh, until I followed you on Instagram. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, it's uh, you know, you see you riding through the you know the trees with all the snow, and you're like, that looks like fun. So yeah, I might have to buy yeah. a horse. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, it's. Uh, it's been a little while coming this one so you were had a little bit of the old uh covid is that right <clears throat> yeah yeah around um just before thanksgiving jason and i both came down with it and uh yeah it it laid us low for a couple of weeks everything everything fine now you know no long lasting stuff or you know it's funny it, this didn't happen to jason um i lost my taste and smell and still, um, I don't even know how long it's been now since Thanksgiving for us uh, sometime in November. Um, I still smell things weird. Like I got really <laughs> overpowering sense of smell of like cigarette smoke, which oh. we don't smoke. We don't have anything that would be smoking in our house. And, and every day throughout the day, I would get this really overpowering sense of cigarette smoke. And this is like a month after recovering from COVID. And then that kind of went away. And then I started to get the smell of like sewer, like septic or sewer, just that sort of stench of, and uh, it was really um, just an annoyance, you know, kind of would give me a headache because no one wants to smell cigarette smoke or sewer, but just a weird little side effect of kind of a lasting thing. Other than that, we're, we're both fine. Oh, awesome. That's good to, good to know. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, you know, like I say, we are, we have spoke to to Jason twice now, and uh, we were keen to speak to you because you guys seem to live. I wouldn't say interesting, but I would say <clears throat> the right way. Um, it, it seems like a, a really a really good way to live life. So, um, was that always your idea? Like, you know, when you guys have been together, or or is that something that you changed along the way, or? Well, I grew up um, super rural in mm. out in the middle of nowhere, even to a point where when I was younger, um, I lived for a lot of years of my childhood without any electricity. Um, we had like the old kerosene lanterns where you light the wick and you have to carry them around from room to room with you. Um, definitely sort of a different lifestyle than most people of my age um <laughs> way, way out in the mountains with our with our animals and our garden and our um just totally off the grid and so i was i'm i've always been used to that lifestyle and jason i think um i think he always kind of wished that he had 
that sort of lifestyle growing up in Southern California where there's a lot of people. And so when he finally retired from the military, um, it just made sense for us both to get out of the more urban area. And, and not that we lived in an urban area. When we were down there, we actually ran a farm and I had an organic farm and we were, you know, a good hour outside of a city and had 18 acres and a, and a rural place too, but nothing like how we are now. Yeah, how how rural is? Because you're right up the top of Washington. Is that is that correct? Yeah, we're we're right on the Canadian border. So the closest town where we go to buy groceries and you know do basic stuff is an hour drive for us. Mm. Um, to get anything sort of bigger than that that we need is about a two and a half hour drive. Yeah, that's um. So one of the one of the you know my favorite places in Scotland. It's a tiny little place um, uh, called Shieldig, and it's where uh, you know the Keltman Iron Iron Distance Triathlon is, and it's an amazing little place, and it's like like twenty houses and a little hotel. Um, and every time I've been there, it's been like unbelievable sun. I've been so lucky, and it's been like unbelievable sunshine. And you 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 go there, and you think this is amazing, like it's so nice. This little rural part of Scotland. But then, if you want anything, it is an hour to the nearest town is Inverness, and Inverness isn't even a big town. So you know, yeah. you, if you want pizza, it's like an hour to you know. If you want to watch a movie, it's an hour. <laughs> you know, it's like two hours either. You know, round trip. So, um, kind of the same sort of distance. So, you have to be fairly committed to want to live yeah. that far away because it is not. You know, like you say, it's so far away to do anything. Um, you have to be really committed to that. So it comes with incredible freedom but also a lot of sacrifice right you have to be you're not going to be able to put your kid in every sport or activity that they might want to do we don't have a place where you know my daughter would probably love to do gymnastics but we don't have a place that does gymnastics we used to do jujitsu and for a while we were doing jujitsu up in Canada. There was a little place across the border where we could go up and do jujitsu. But now with COVID, the border between the US and Canada is shut down and there's, there's nowhere else for us to do it. Um, so there are those sacrifices where you have to sort of decide what you're willing to give up to live in a place like this. Now, the flip side to that is that Anytime we want, we can jump on our horses and ride straight out of our yard out and go all day and never see another house or human being. Um, we can go fishing in the rivers and the lakes that are all around us. We can, you know, there's just endless amounts of things that we can do in nature um, that you wouldn't have access to like that if you lived closer to civilization. And for us, we've just decided that we're willing to sacrifice some of those conveniences for um, these other things that we love doing. Yeah, just just to give you an idea, some of the convenience I have, I literally have a shop and I've counted it 23 steps from my front door. <laughs> so if I ever need yeah. a pint, you know, like a pint of milk <laughs> or loaf of bread, I'll literally, and I've counted it one day just to see how close I could get it. Uh, well, it was funny one time, and and I live right next to the high school that my uh, older, the older boys go to, and I came out the shop 
um, just before the Christmas holidays with a, a bottle of juice and a, a loaf of bread. And as I came back, one of the kids for the school had came out just in front of me. And he was like, oh, that's amazing, big man. And I kind of turned around. I was like, you, you talking to me, pal? I was like, that's amazing. You come out your house and you're straight into a shop and then out the shop straight into your house. That's the dream. And he was just amazed that, you know, I lived literally <laughs> just across the road. Kids, uh, that kid's uh, easily pleased. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> yeah. This guy, you know, I, I like, I love the idea. Of, I think you have to be at a certain like place in life because I, I love the idea of doing what you guys do, but I'm just not quite at that point in life and I think I could do that yet. You know, I still like to, not often, but I still like to go to the pub, you know, maybe watch a fight on, uh, on you know, on, on the big screen in the pub and stuff like that. And, you know, obviously that's something that you you cannot do, um, <laughs> you know, out sure. in the so, um, yeah, I think it's someplace, you know, maybe one step at a time or maybe the next house I buy might be a little bit of land so I can keep some, uh, you know, have a little chicken coop and, and uh, grow some vegetables and stuff would be cool. But I don't think, you know, I'm not at yeah. the place living in the middle of nowhere. Um, but it sounds, you know, it's, it really it really does sound um, amazing. Uh, but you have to be. Well, it, it just isn't for everybody, yeah. too. Yeah. You know, even people who think it sounds really good, they they might get out here and realize that it just isn't it isn't for them. Yeah. They they miss socialization too much. They miss the conveniences too much. And so, you know, a lot of people say, oh, I would love to live like that. And mm. I think it does take a it takes a certain type of person to yeah. really want to do it. Yeah. Again, I saw it on a much smaller scale. My wife's from Edinburgh, grew up in Edinburgh, born in Edinburgh, uh, capital of Scotland, second largest city. And then when we got together, she moved to Fife, which is where I live and, and where Chris lives in the kind of next village over, roughly. And she moved from like uh, the city where there was like a pub on every corner, you know, every restaurant you could possibly imagine to a village that had, you know, four pubs and a couple of shops. And she had a massive culture shock, even just going from the city to a, a small town of six and a half thousand people, maybe, from, you know, a city of quarter of a million people. Um, and she sure. even struggled just with that culture change of, of moving from the city to a small village. See, I, on the other hand, I grew up in a, a tiny little village um, outside of Kinross uh, that had 14 houses. So it was not, uh, it was, you know, being not around anybody was normal to me. You know, I didn't have any friends after school. It was just like, yeah, you know, I'd go dig holes. <laughs> that's, all, <laughs> that's all there was to do. So, yeah, I grew up, you know, more like. I yeah. think it's common for kids who grow up in little places like that to really long to get away and get to the city and stuff. Um, but at a certain point in life, you might grow to really appreciate that you had that in your childhood and and wish that you could go back to something simpler like that so actually one of the things that you know i wanted to ask you know where you are um iris is how close are you or or does the you know the the bigfoot 200 the the like extreme trail race that's round it's, it's northern washington but i don't know is that is that go anywhere near you or do you not you don't know of it backfoot 200 is that what you called yep. it bigfoot bigfoot yeah, I'm not familiar with that. Yeah, it goes right around like the extreme north and 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 uh, into the wilds. Uh, that's something that looks awesome. Yeah, but, you know, it's around with you. But um, so <clears throat> you said you you train jiu jitsu as well. 
Uh, yeah, I'm certainly not claiming to be any expert at all, but we've dabbled in it. Yeah, it's uh, me and Ali train. Um, it's it's you know such a great thing, but um, yeah, I think uh, I think we spoke to Jason a little bit, but you didn't we? Did we? Ali? We did indeed. Yeah. We did indeed. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, it's, it uh, is one of the things that's been a little bit tough for us. I think that we definitely would be much more dedicated to jujitsu, but all the places that we've lived, even when we lived in Southern California, we were an hour away from mm. a jujitsu place, and that gets to be a big commitment to yeah. you know go multiple times a week and and dedicate yourself to it. And so it's always been hard for us to put um, a lot of time in it. I think if we were closer to somewhere where we could do it we would we would definitely focus on it more but yeah if it's, you know if it's a four-hour round trip to to go train get changed and come home it's, yeah it's, it's yeah. a little bit yeah, it's a little massive bit, commitment that's a huge amount of your day so <clears throat> but yeah have they have they, the kids shown any interest uh as yet in in martial arts or yeah so we actually initially put the kids in jujitsu and then we decided since we were taking them up there anyways, that's when Jason and I both just started doing doing it after the kids' class. Then we would um, just stay and do adult classes. So that ended up actually being, you know, like going, driving an hour, staying for an hour's kids class and then staying for an hour adults class. And then, you know, it, it's such a it's such a time commitment that um i would love to do more of it but yeah the kids the kids loved it they they've done really well in it it's such a um such a great thing for kids right you know i wish all kids could get at least some exposure to it there were at at our jujitsu place in southern california i watched over the time that i was there i watched some kids in the kids class who came in and were really sort of had a super hard time you know, focusing and we're sort of all over the place and kind of creating problems. And and just in several months of watching them change, it was really fascinating to see how just that structure and discipline and attention, like direct attention that they were getting from adults made a huge difference for some of these kids who obviously their parents had put them in the class because they were probably having some behavior problems and struggling at school a little bit and stuff yeah i wish uh you know i don't have any kids but you know i wish more kids would do um you know not just jiu-jitsu uh you know any martial art any combat sport you know where, where there has to be a structure and there has to be a way to do things and um respect is everything uh you know i wish more people you know i wish more adults would do it to be fair you know? yeah you know yeah wish, you know anything that you so, know it's less assholes is uh it's always going to be a good thing yeah and you know as a woman i think the thing that the thing that i liked about it the very most is the sort of um desensitizing to getting pummeled you know I think for a lot of women, if they get grabbed on the street or something, their first instinct is just going to be to freeze. They don't know what to do. They're just going to freeze up. Panic is just going to overtake them. And they're not going to be able to defend themselves. Mm. But when you get conditioned to having some 200-pound guy wrenching you around and throwing you on the ground and smashing you, um, all of a sudden, you can 
you can have that happen and be calm in that situation and think, you know, you're just thinking like, where is that little chink that I can get in there and move his arm a little bit or move his leg off me a little bit. And you realize that even though you feel completely overpowered, you're not, you actually still can keep fighting. Even if you don't, even if you don't know jujitsu very well, even if you don't have any particular skills, just that that getting conditioned to realize that you don't give up, you don't quit fighting just because you feel overpowered. That was really eye-opening to me. And I think my life will forever be changed from, from having that realization that if, if someone were ever to try to overpower me, you know, I will never hit a point where I will actually believe that I'm overpowered because of jujitsu training. It's, um, you know i think if everybody did you know the absolute as you're saying the absolute basics of just understanding you know where to you know where to hold a wrist to you know free yourself up or you know just a hip position of you know i can't be controlled from really you know how to get out if somebody's trying to choke you just you know get your you know your shoulders to the you know your back on to the ground i think like the most basic things um you know would would benefit absolutely everybody yeah and and definitely even you know for me like I rolled a lot with with Jason with my husband and you know he's a he's a navy seal right tough guy he's not he doesn't have a huge build but this is somebody who is you know respected as being a pretty strong person and even with basic the very basic training when we rolled together we would not take it easy on each other, you know, because there's something with a husband and wife, you don't feel like you could go a little harder maybe than you would with somebody else. And how empowering it was for me to realize that I could actually hold my own and even overpower him at least like 50% of the time. Mm -hmm. There wasn't a clear distinction between the two of us in who actually could get the upper hand at any given time that we rolled. And that's, that's really empowering as a female to you know granted if at any point if I was to go against some huge person they could just smother me just basically with their weight but someone else who was unskilled in a martial art if they tried something with me I have much more confidence now in myself to actually be able to fight that fight them off Absolutely. It's, it's funny it's funny you say about uh, husband and wife training like that because Chris knows my oldest son Aaron trains with us um, and has trained with us for kind of three years now um, and he's just about to turn 18 so he's been training since he was like 14, 15 and he doesn't go hard with anyone except for me. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, the oppor- it's the opportunity to choke dad and armbar dad <laughs> and elbow yeah. dad that accidentally sure. elbow dad in the face but when he rolls with like chris and, and john and some of the other guys that we train with he's, he's hesitant isn't he chris he's very hesitant and kind of almost passive but the minute up. it's like roll with dad he suddenly takes it <laughs> like tasmanian level he's like ah, and just it's he's, he's a different animal when he rolls with me it's quite funny to be fair, I do take him aside and tell him how to beat you up. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's well, funny, you know, you mentioned that you know that you know you can hold your own with Jason. Does that does that annoy him at all? No, <laughs> no. That's- Jason is he's extremely secure in his manhood, and yeah. um, I wouldn't have expected. You know, I think 
I think if anything, he thinks it's really awesome. He thinks it's amazing that, you know, I can do that and wants that for his daughter as well to be able to feel strong and that she can actually hold her own against um, someone in that situation. Yeah, it's one of, you know, me, me and Ali have talked about this a few times when people have been asking us about, you know, jiu-jitsu. And one of, the, one of my favourite things in the world <clears throat> is watching, you know, girls who are, you know, a hundred pounds, 120 pounds in the gym and they'll submit you know, quite big guys. <laughs> you know, yeah. And it's one of my favorite. Yeah. Some guys get so annoyed. Like yep. really uh, annoyed. Where, yeah. Well that's uh, just that's insecurity is all uh, that is. Yeah. 100%. We've seen it. We've we've got a girl that trained with us a lot last well the year before 2019 really before the lockdown. And she was a blue belt, a young girl, 19, 20 years old, about five four maybe 110 pounds tops quiet uh, and yes wouldn't say boot a goose as, as they say in scotland and these guys would come in acting like conor mcgregor with the tattoo sleeves <laughs> and uh, who, who wants to roll with something oh, i'm not rolling with chris look at the size of him and then tana would be sitting there quiet and they'd be like do, do you want to roll and she'd be like yeah of course and she would tap them seven or eight times in a three minute <laughs> round and you would see the eyes like <clears throat> like saucers by the end yeah. but like what just <coughs> happened and as you say it was she knew you know she had a blue belt she trained for i think tanner trained for about four years so yeah. she knew like our, our, our technique was was incredible you know mm -hmm. our, our posture was amazing um and and the guys were just going on brute strength and, and she would just tire them out they would fatigue so quickly with the, the adrenaline of oh my god the girl's dominating me that yeah. You know, she would, just, like you say, pin them down and just know how to use her weight. And they would panic. They would get smothered. They yeah. would panic. And their adrenaline would burn out and she would armbar them, choke them, take their back. And then the <laughs> next week they'd all come in and Tanya would be like, do you want to roll? And they'd be like, yeah, got a bit of a shoulder, <laughs> so I'm just going to give it a miss this week. Eh? And it's it's just yeah. their ego got hammered. They just got hammered. Yeah. 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 Those people who really know how to use their weight and stuff in jujitsu, it's amazing to watch how light they can be on top of someone and just twist them up into a pretzel. Yeah, it's, it's, it's one of the things, where, you know, I have a, a niece who will be uh, three uh, this year uh, and she will, you know, she's, uh, you know, got all the characteristics of somebody who will be a little bit feisty. So she will be coming with Uncle Chris and she gets as soon as, uh, as soon as she is old enough. So, uh, that's something that's uh, I think it's it's amazing, you know, especially for especially for a woman. Um, obviously, me and Ali don't know this, but you know, if you're, you know, if you're a smaller woman, and you are, you know, walking down a street, uh, and you know, a group of guys you know, could be look completely innocent, but you know, they're all six foot, six foot two, whatever. It must be fairly intimidating for a small woman to approach, you know, a group of guys in any situation. It doesn't have to be any situation. It might be completely innocent, but if you know that you could. You know, double leg someday. Take take off the ground. Must be make life way, way more comfortable. You know, for for yeah, much more empowering. It definitely. I think um, one of the other things with jujitsu, I think, is that as soon as you have more confidence in your ability, there's so much just about your body posture and stuff. If you, you know, if you're walking towards a group of men and who may be wanting to kind of heckle you on the street or whatever, and you're sort of shrinking up into this small figure and looking away, trying to avoid them, you're just prey right then. Like they just, they see that body language and they'll just hone in on that. But if you walk up, 
you know, tall with your shoulders back, look right, look at them right in the eye, because you know that if they give you any grief, you're going to be ready to deal with it. <laughs> it's amazing the different re reaction that you will get because of that. And it. that's where, I mean, gosh, I wish that even just in, in middle school or high school or something, they would have almost like a mandatory, some sort of martial arts type thing that kids, even if they just did a semester of it or something to help have a little bit of that confidence for, for young women, especially because it's such a common occurrence to have those, those meetings out on the street where men are just sort of, you know, whistling and catcalling and doing things. And I watch women all the time just, and I, I did it for years too, where I would just like look down, don't make eye contact, try to avoid them, just get past them. And boy, that's, that's not how I am anymore. Now I'll look right at them and be like, is this what you want? Is this what you want to do? Because, you know, and all of a sudden they're like, oh, I'm just fixing this thing over here, you know? And, um, but that's always, yeah, that's, you know, I've, you know, I, I tried to explain, you know, even to my, my nephew who is eight and tried to explain, <clears throat> you know, when somebody does that, you know, he sometimes says, oh, you know, Uncle Chris, this happened in the schoolyard or whatever. And you try to explain to him when, when somebody's a bully, it's not because they're tough it's because they're weak yeah but, you know how do you explain that you know like i say i don't have any own kids so how do you explain that to you know a kid like that they're not doing it because they're strong because strong people don't do that you know strong people would help um yeah and lift people up so it's, it's weak people that do that it's not that's not a tough guy a tough guy uh you, you know is you know is you know jason who is you know when you speak to him uh, you know completely you know lovely respectful but you know, you know, he is a man who is uh, extremely capable. He's, yeah. <laughs> you know, you know that's that's you know that's you know what a tough guy is. It's you know, and I've had these conversations with some of my friends before. You know, if you've been in a bar and there's a you know a group of guys and you know the you know the type you know you know big guys obviously on steroids, they all have the same tattoos and you know people are like, oh, <laughs> oh, you know those guys, man, they, you know they make kick off. You know, listen, don't don't worry about those guys. Those guys are not they're not a threat. Did not. Don't worry about them. You know, it's, it's a little guy who looks a little geeky. You know, mm -hmm. you see, see a little bit of cauliflower on the ears. And you go, he's the guy. That's the guy I'm worried about. <laughs> guy I'm worried about. Watch those cauliflower ears. Watch the cauliflower ears. Yeah, um, yeah you, you know, like you say, it's uh, it's you know, super super important, like you say, for 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 kids. Um, I really, you know, like you, you know, wish uh, I wish you would introduce it because it, you know, especially for. For little boys as well to teach them not you know not to be assholes <laughs> you yeah. have to respect yeah. people you know you know you, you, and there's too much well, of this, you know little boys and there's nothing that'll tune a little boy up faster than being put in a put in a arm bar by a little girl in jujitsu either you know i see that it's not just the men who might go away with bruised egos but also the young kids mm. who you know, culturally, we're, we're conditioned to think boys are stronger than girls, whatever. Yeah. That does become the case at a certain point. But when kids are little, like pre-puberty, pre girls oftentimes are much stronger than boys, actually. I sure see it with my kids. I mean, my daughter, can, she's a, she's a brute and, uh, and just solid. And I think when that kind of gets evened out when they're young, 
the boys then have a lot more respect for the the potential of a female to be strong. Definitely. Yeah. We I, uh, I I played rugby growing up from the age of eight, and we had a girl in our rugby team, and she was the toughest little tackler in our squad. She used to play scrum half, and she competed right the way up, as you say, until kind of under 14 level when as you say puberty kicked in and then suddenly all the guys ended up six foot and 13 yeah. and a half stone and she stayed five foot two and nine stone and, and at, at that point it became she, she kind of gave it up because she got a really bad head injury at one point but up until that point as you say she uh, and it used to be that guys on the opposition teams who oh they've got a girl run at the girl run at the girl she'll be the easy one and then they very mm-hmm. quickly realized that she was an absolute steel <laughs> trap of a trackler and uh, but as you say, from growing up, even as an eight, nine year old kid, I was like, actually, she's a tough wee cookie. You know what I mean? And looking back, you maybe didn't appreciate it. That's what you were thinking as a young guy, but it definitely has an impact. Definitely has an impact on people in the in the long run. What's, yeah. Uh, what's uh, what's cool as well is we had this conversation with um, uh, Ness Knight. So Ness Knight is a South African explorer adventurer. And she's done some unbelievable things. And, you know, me and Ali were saying this to her, you know, you know, there, there was a time where you would probably, you know, w- you know, certainly, you know, I think we would both have done it where you would say, you know, she's quite good for a girl mm. because of, you know, women like Ness and, you know, Ronda Rousey, and, you know, the Williams sisters, as you don't say that anymore, you know, <clears throat> because of, uh, uh, you know, you know, a lot of these women who are, who are not good for women, to just good you know it's, it's a it's it's quite um it's quite interesting um and oftentimes the people saying the oh she's good for a girl is some guy who's like a hundred pounds overweight <laughs> and never never does anything you know he's not any any real special specimen of physical fitness and you know they just say that because it's the thing to say and it makes them feel better about themselves thinking oh well i'm tougher than a girl um have have you guys watched i don't know if you get it over in scotland but there's a show that we have here in the u.s called alone and it's it's on the history channel have you watched that yeah Um, me and me and my boys watch it we've seen the last three maybe four seasons of it it's unbelievable the last season of it, there were two women who made it basically to the very end. There were, I think, you know, they made it almost to the very end. And they're not, they were not any physical athletes or anything. They were very just ordinary women. And they, I guarantee you, would put 95% of men to shame as they showed on that show that they beat out everybody else and it was it's not always about physical strength too is the thing i mean the 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 one thing that women are i think always have a leg up on is and they they excel in the endurance running i think a lot because yes. of that but they they have this real capacity for endurance and i don't know if that that stems from you know, bearing children from going through pregnancy and childbirth and all of that. But women have this incredible ability for endurance. And um, boy, you know, that I was just, uh, I wasn't amazed because I already know it in myself. I know that women are capable of that stuff. But when you see it play out in, in women who 
go, hey, I can do this. And then they do this incredibly hard thing. And it's like, we're all capable of that. We are, we're all capable of that. We've all just been told forever that we're weak. Mm. You know, from the time you're a little girl, you're, it's instilled in you that you're weak. And I'm really grateful that we're sort of having a dialogue, at least, you know, in the U.S. more and more now about <clears throat> how that isn't necessarily true. Mm-hmm. And yes, men will always overall be physically stronger than women. But boy, there's some women who, if they want to, who, if they put in the time and the work, Mm. even physically strong but i mean what is physical strength is physical strength not also mental strength is physical strength not also endurance it's not just how much weight you can lift yeah physical strength i think is is your strength it is just your strength and that may be from how strong you are mentally it yeah. may be how long you can endure something i mean you know if you want to talk about uh, endurance and mental strength I mean, Courtney DeWalter, uh, you know, in America is you know, possibly the best endurance runner on the planet just now. Uh, she won the Moab 240 mm. uh, by a marathon. You know, she beat the second place person. Was like, yeah. And she, you know, she beat him by 26 miles in 10 hours. And <laughs> going, that's, that's hilarious. You know, that's, that's so far. That is... is she the one that was also I, I don't track these guys very close but there was it may have been her it may have been a different endurance runner that I was just reading about but she was like stopping at the um the the health check-ins to nurse her baby along the way now that was I believe that was uh I believe that was a spine race over here and I believe that woman was from she was fairly local to me and Ali and uh, you know I'd, I'd love to I can't remember her name I would love to speak to her I believe yeah. I believe, she, now the spine race, uh, if it's the same woman we're talking about, the spine race is 268 miles right up the Pennine Way uh, from England, Northern England into Scotland. And it is savagely brutal, you know, you know, February time, uh, maybe March, you know, so he gets, you know, snow, you know, four yeah. seats. And I believe she was breastfeeding. She at, was. I've just, I've just... Agents. Yeah, I've just Googled it in the background, doing a young Jamie like Joe Rogan here. Um, she expressed milk for her one-year-old daughter at every checkpoint, and she broke the course record by more than 12 hours. Yeah. That's insane. <laughs> like, that doesn't make sense. 200, 268 miles it was. Yeah, yeah. Spine race, yeah. I thought it was that one. And she's local to us. Uh, yeah, she's, she's from Midlothian, so just yeah, across yeah. the water. Yeah, I'd love to speak to her. that. I mean, that is... It's amazing. I mean, it's just, it's amazing. But, oh, but the reason that we say it's amazing is because we have been taught that that's not what women can do. And I think if every woman from the time they were a young girl believed that they were capable of that, if those were the people that they were looking to as the standard, women can do this, how many more of them would actually be so much stronger all the way around than they actually believe that they are. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we're talking about, you know, tough women that, you know, we spoke to, you know, before Ness, we spoke to to Laura Zera, who's, uh, who's the, the, probably the toughest human being that, that mm-hmm. you know, we've become, we've become friends now. Uh, and she is the craziest person in, in, the, in the best possible way. You know, you just, you know, 
you know, she was telling me what footwear she was wearing when she was in the mountains in Montana, and I'm like, what the fuck? Why? <laughs> why are you doing that? Just like, I don't know. <laughs> just, yeah. she's just, you know, you know. So there is, you know, there is, uh, you know, women out there who are, you know, not equal, but you know, superior. So there are also women who just don't want to do any of that kind of stuff, right? There are plenty of women who just want to be at home. Isn't that what makes life interesting? It is. It's completely. And so I'm always careful, like, to not just be like, oh, all women should be, like, super strong and powerful. They don't all, well, just like all men don't all want to go be Navy SEALs. Well, maybe they do all want to, but they don't. They end up doing (laughs) other kinds of stuff. They they probably do. For men, it's more likely that, but, you know, from the time men are little boys, they're all told, you got to be tough. You got to be tough. You be a man, be tough. And so there's a lot of men who, who don't actually want to do all that tough guy stuff. They want to like design wedding cakes or something, you know, but it, it's like, can't we just reach a point in life where we're just okay with people being who they are? If they want to go be a crazy ultra runner, or climb K2 or do whatever thing, extreme thing they want to do, why does it matter what their sex is? If they want to design yeah. wedding cakes, then by all means, go for it, you know? And that's just, 100%. that's how I try to raise my kids. Mm. I have one boy and one girl and we really, really try to just raise them the same. We try to have the same standards for both of them. And, you know, they, they will be able to figure out what direction they want to take in life, but they, they know that they're on equal footing as getting started. And from there, they can go whatever direction they want. It's, it's you know, it's interesting because, you know, I get, so I am 36 now and uh, single, never married, no kids. And I have so many family members, you know, they always say, you know what, you're not, you're not gonna get married or settle down and have kids anytime soon. And you go, yeah, but not everybody has to do that. Yeah. Mm, that's I, for sure. I, I like to get up at three o'clock in the morning and run around hills on my own. That's what I like to do. Uh, not everybody has to, <laughs> uh, you know, do the same thing. That That's, you know, it would be very, very boring. uh... yeah and i think i think women get even more pressure than men on that that you're you're a woman you should be a mother right like that's that's what you should do and the fact of the matter is not all women want to be mothers not all women are good mothers and there's a lot of women who probably never should have become a mother yeah the the same with with fathers but i think being okay with just saying motherhood is this amazing i always say that motherhood is it's a superpower Mm. being able to create and and produce a child that is a superpower that women have but you don't have to use that superpower you have it but you don't have to use it and then there are women who you know are infertile and can't have children and this stigma of like every woman has to just be a mother and you know, your life is your life. Our lives are short. And in a way, you know, we have this thing about being selfish. Don't be selfish. You should have you should have kids. You're just being selfish if you're living your life for yourself. And I get that to an extent. Like, you don't want to be a selfish person. But 
boy, you can not have kids and you can still go out and do tremendous things and help other people and do like you don't inherently you're not inherently a selfish person just because you choose not to have kids. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, what you're saying, Chris, like it's just not for everybody. And maybe, mm-hmm. you know what, you're you're in your 30s, maybe in 10 years. I mean, Jason's 50 now and he has an eight and a seven year old. He had he had one son early on, but then um he had the kids that we have together when he was older and maybe in 10 years you will decide that you do want a family and you'll have kids but you don't have to box yourself into that i've not decided one way or another it's uh it's uh you know it's one of those things where if it happens awesome if it doesn't happen awesome yeah Yeah. um and you know ultimately and this is the one thing that nobody ever um Nobody ever asks, uh, you know, when you're talking about any of these, you know, any of these subjects, and no, nobody ever asks, you know, the question of, are you happy? Yeah. But, you know, so, that, you know, you could talk about all of these things, right? you know, you could have five kids or you could have no kids, whatever the situation is, and nobody ever says, yeah, but are you happy? Uh, so one know. thing that parents can never really do is they can never admit that they might have been happier without kids. Once you become a parent, that's a that's something that you you can't say that, right? Because it would hurt your children, it would make people judge you. But I think that the reality is that there probably are a lot of people like that. Being a parent is really hard. It's yeah. hard. It's probably the hardest thing most of us will ever do if we actually give a damn about it and want to do a good job at it. Totally. And then I take, you know, I have two healthy, perfectly fine, normal kids. And then I look at people whose kids have like autism or something and and try to imagine what that battle has got to be like. And, yeah. um, you know, you never know until you go ahead and jump in and how and with both feet and decide to have kids, how it's going to turn out. And so, yeah. Yeah. yeah, you're right. If you're happy, if you think that you're more happy not having kids than having kids for some people it's all that they live for they just want to have kids they they want to have kids i was on the fence about it for a long time myself i wasn't sure that i ever wanted to have kids Mm. jason did want to have kids and um you know eventually i came around to that of like yeah let's do this but i wasn't the kind of person who was and i'm also the kind of person who i want to raise my kids up i want them to be confident competent independent people and once they're adults i want them to go out in the world and live their lives and fulfill whatever they want to do and i'm not going to be like micromanaging their life because i don't need to be i will always be their mother but i don't need to be there mothering them forever and so you know for me kids is just a phase in my life i'm fully committed to it while they're little i'm i'm 100 percent dedicated to it but I'm also prepared to step back and give them room to be humans of their own accord once they're old enough to do that. Yeah, it's it's a challenge, isn't it? Because I, I, the opposite to Chris, I had the Aaron Moldest when I was 24 and a half, um, which I felt old, bizarrely, at 24 and a half, because I had two best friends that had kids when they were, and, and my sister as well. My sister had her first kid when she was 17. And I had friends that had had kids at 16. 
Um, so at 24, I kind of almost felt old, bizarrely. I know that sounds crazy saying that. <laughs> but because I had friends by that point that had eight-year-old kids and I had a newborn, I was like, man, I'm way behind the curve here. Um, and then obviously as the kids have got older, but I think one of the challenges is, like you were saying there, Iris, it's, it's balancing the support whilst giving them the confidence to test that support, if that makes sense push the boundaries within reason so that they can become their own person and also giving them the space to make mistakes that you can see coming. Assuming it's not going to be anything life-threatening or they're not going to lose an arm or it. But you know when you know, like, and I'm not going to, because in case he does listen to it, but <laughs> one of my sons is obsessed with his first girlfriend. They're 16 years old. They're in love. And he's ignored all his friends for the last eight months. He just doesn't oh. speak to them anymore. <laughs> and as 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 a forty two year old adult, I'm like, that's a mistake. Because eventually, <laughs> you're you're sixteen years old. You're hashtag spoiler alert, Logan. You're gonna break up with Amy. I'm just gonna put it out there on the internet just so when you see it in a year's time, it's gonna happen. They're gonna split up, and then he won't have seen and been as friendly with his group of good friends for the best part of a year. And by this point, they're going to have finished high school because Logan finishes high school in the summer. That's high school done. And as we all know, when you leave high school, even that that close social group that you've had all the way through high school, as much as you think it's going to stick together, like, you know, like, we're the T-Birds, we're the Pink Ladies, let's all stick together. <laughs> it never, ever happens like that. Yeah. And, and I worry about it because I'm like, I don't want Logan to then be whatever age he is when it inevitably happens that he splits up with Amy. And then have to almost rebuild his friendship or find new friends from a position of zero. And it's difficult, but I know when I was 17, I'm sure Chris is the same, I'm sure you were the same, Iris. You know, you have boyfriends and girlfriends in your teens where it's the love of your life. It's going to last forever. It's all, it's all, maybe Kristen, <laughs> it's all sunshine <laughs> and roses. And, and it's, it's sometimes hard as a parent to go, don't do that. You're going to really, really, I know it's great just now. And I get it, but in a few months' time, <clears throat> and it's so tough. It is tough at times. And I've found it tougher as the kids have got older and gone into the teenage years, those kind of challenges. When they're little, it's easier to kind of keep them from doing anything that could hurt them as such, you know. But mm -hmm. when they're making their own adult choices and life choices, you're like, man, that's a bad choice. But I, need, but I made that same choice when I was 17, so I have to <laughs> make, make it. Make a mistake. Make a mistake. Um yeah it, it, you know what's funny is everything everything you know everything you've said there and none of that happened to me because i've been one of those people who was a, a really late bloomer and everything this is why i'm not worried about you know kids or marriage or anything because i was one of those people who i didn't understand anything until i was you know way older um you know really wasn't confident until i started boxing you know when i was 24. um and yeah, everything that I do, I generally, it's late in life. Like I'm, I'm always like, like way behind everybody. But then once I get into it, like I'm become more comfortable and confident. And you know, like I say, everybody's different. Everybody's different. Some people are like that when they're young, and I wasn't. Mm -hmm. So it's taken me a long time to figure out, you know, how to be a, 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 a an adult. I don't like saying that because I don't like admitting it. Um, <laughs> you know, but. Uh, <laughs> You know, everybody's everybody's so different. It's um, you know, and I know for a fact that um, 
I wouldn't say I wouldn't say I was a little bit strange, but I'm I'm not like most other people in, in the fact that uh, nothing's nothing's been conventional that I've kind of ever done. Um, so yeah, you know, everybody's you know, everybody everybody does their own thing, and I, I think too many people become under pressure, you know, in these little groups to do what their friends did, you know, listen to the same music and we'll, you know, go to the same clothes shop and, you know, all that stuff and you think it doesn't to go and do your own thing. But you know, it took me it took me a long time to understand that. Like longer than most. Um so yeah, I think it's uh you know important to, you know, have individuals in life. Um so yeah, I think uh one one of the things that I wanted to just ask you Iris. so obviously you are a extremely um what would be the how would you describe it a strong-willed um you know confident woman do you do you find that you know if you're dealing with guys for example you know whatever you know whatever the situation would be that they, they become a little bit intimidated by you so the the this is an interesting question because um i think women generally have a problem with feeling more intimidated by men um you know if you're dealing you know in a workplace environment or any environment where you have to you have to deal with men women more often than not often are intimidated and you know i i would notice in small just small things in my life. Like when I was running a farm and some man would come over, some friend of my husband's or whatever, and we'd be walking around the farm looking at things. And it was really common for the man, for some reason, to direct to, to direct all of their questions at my husband. And it's like, I'm, I'm actually the one that does all the technical work here that you know, he, he, of course, does a lot of the would do when we were farming a ton of the heavy manual labor, but I was ultimately running the farm. And so, you know, I would start to get kind of bent out of shape about that. Like, why, why are men treating me like I'm nothing here? And yet they're directing these questions at my husband, like he's, of course, the one who is in charge of everything. And it made me really kind of stop and assess how we how we think about our relationships with the opposite sex. And a little hack that I have for um, for women who have to deal with men who feel intimidated is like instead of instead of feeling like you're intimidated by that man, ask yourself, maybe that man is intimidated by you. Right. Maybe they're not talking to you because they're actually intimidated by you. Mm. And I think that can change the whole dynamic of how you relate to the opposite sex. Um, and it also makes me it for m- myself when I use it, it makes me more confident in dealing with men. If I go into a situation where I have to have to have a conversation with somebody, this, you know, big intimidating looking guy that I might kind of, you know, naturally shrink away from, I just walk into it and go, well, he's probably going to be intimidated by me. So let me, you know, be reach out and, and talk directly and, you know, take charge of the situation or whatever to make him feel better. 
And it's, it's just this funny little thing in your head that you can tweak a little bit that can make you, um, now men also, they may not, they may subconsciously know, but they may not actually realize that they may be intimidating to women, you know, and, um, they could just adjust their behaviors a little bit in talking to women to, um, to make, to make a conversation with somebody go a lot easier. So I think as long as everybody kind of has that in their head that, well, I might actually be intimidating to this person. And then you adjust your behavior accordingly. Um, you can, you can be more confident. You can also have better communication with somebody based on that. I think that's, that is really important. Again, like I was kind of saying off camera, I think it was off camera, I guess, but, um, about the fact that I'm a trainer and, um, I get people who it's their first day in a brand new job. So people are very, very nervous, understandably, first day in a new job. And a vast bulk of my job involves public speaking, standing in front of a group and talking to them. And people always say to me, do you not get really nervous with a new group or do you not get nervous talking to them? And similar to what you were saying there, Iris, I always think of it as, well, I know what I'm doing. So it's my job to be calm so that they then yeah. feel calm. Because if I go into that such a nervous and hyped up and worried they're going to pick up on it and they're then going to be nervous and worried. So if I go in feeling confident and relaxed and as Chris says, cracking bad dad jokes from the very first couple <laughs> of minutes, um, the, the one that always gets everyone laughing is I do a little bio and I'll go, I'll be married for too long now. <laughs> that was where you were meant to laugh, Chris. Come on, help me out here, bro. <laughs> but <laughs> that, that is awful. <laughs> But it gets people laughing, it gets people relaxed, and, and it's kind of similar, isn't it? So it's interesting that you yeah. do that, but consider it from an intimidation point of view versus a, a comfort point of view. Do you think as well the exposure to Jason and his colleagues have helped you to not be intimidated by, I'll, I'll use the phrase strong men for want of a better phrase. Yeah, I would I would imagine so, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, I would imagine that when you're around some of the people who are um, naturally tend to be some of probably the more intimidating people, both to, to males and females, um, <clears throat> and realize that they're just they're just people, <laughs> just like everybody else. And every interaction you have with anybody, you're you're forming a relationship with that person. Um, a lot, so much of it is just about your own self-confidence, though, and how you deal with people. We've, um, you know, we, we, you know, and, 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 and we can relate to this entirely because, you know, we've spoke to now, God, how many, how many seals? Four or five Navy seals. Four or five Navy seals. Couple of years Green Berets. So a, a good, yeah. a good decent number of special forces. And it's one of those things where it's, it's, it's not, it's. It's now we're getting better at it, you know. But for instance, you know, talking to Jason the first time, it's you know, you know, so you, you know, we're going to speak to, to you know to this guy. Um, so you, you go do a little bit of research, and then you look and you go, "Fuck, this guy's fucking," <laughs> you know, <laughs> as, as much of a badass as as you know you get. And then you go, "Okay, you know, what does he do now? Look, doing the research, okay? So you know, he does some work for Jocko, and you go, "Shit," so you know. You know, Jocko's not employing any idiot, so that you know this guy is legit. So it's not not in terms of being to me anyway. It wasn't in terms of being intimidated by the person. It's like I really don't want to make myself look like an idiot 
in front of this guy. And that's where it becomes a little bit like, mm-hmm. like intimidating, but not in like a you know a physical way. It's more like I don't want to look like an idiot in front of this person because they are, sure, you know, legit. Um, so you know, what's funny actually is, um, uh, you know, go back listening to. So you know, I know Ali does this as well as you know, if we're speaking to somebody who's done some podcast, you go listen to them to try and make them not all sound the same. You know, so the first one naturally was, uh, you know, was Jocko and, uh, you know, listening to his, uh, you know, his first impressions of me and you, you know, and he, you know, I think it was, uh, I'm sure it's, you know, he said it the first time he had met you and he came out to the farm uh, and you were pregnant and on a, on a mm-hmm. plow. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. you're, you're listening to, <laughs> you're listening to, jo- I mean, Jocko is, you know, even, you know, I don't know how he, you know, in America, but, you know, even in Scotland, he's kind of viewed as being like the man's man. Yeah, and and here he's talking about being intimidated by you know this this wee woman on a plow <laughs> pregnant. Like what the fuck? And then it's like, okay, Jocko's intimidated by this woman. Why are we speaking? <laughs> <of>? <laughs> Do you know, so it's one of those things where yeah, I think perception. But as you say, once you start to speak to someone, you go, oh, okay, they're just you know flesh and blood. They're, they're you know the same thing as me, and um, you, you kind of get poor. But you know that's um, you know when you listen to these people you know Jocko for example you know that that example is you know the one that sticks in, in mind you go Jesus Christ um you know he was inti- you know he was intimidated oh my god um, <laughs> so you know, you know, it's it's quite funny because you you realize that everybody has those same feelings you know of of being intimidated by you know um or you know by people and it's it's not you know i guess it, you know, it could be a good thing because it kind of keeps you on your toes a little bit um but yeah, it's uh, that's that was you know one of the you know obviously the first thing that we had you know I had listened to that you'd been yeah. on and it was it was uh, you know just as an intro was like Jesus. <laughs> that's, well, uh, that's I think it's kind of like uh, it's kind of like what I was talking about in jujitsu too, right? Is it's exposure. If you're so yeah, what you were saying about being around a lot of my husband's colleagues in the SEAL teams and stuff. If you're exposed to people who are sort of intimidating people over and over and over again, you've got to build up some resistance to that, right? Otherwise, you're just going to crawl into a cave and not want to interact with anyone. So, um, you know, the more we push ourselves to be around people who maybe make us a little bit nervous or uncomfortable. and, and, And again, for me, that thing where I just have in my in my head, the little mental note of like, um, you know, stand up straight, look them in the eye, they might be intimidated by you. Yeah. That little thing yeah. in your, in your head, instead of, instead of feeling intimidated, you're, you mm. take, you take ownership of the situation by, by saying that. So. Yeah. yeah. For me, I mean, for me, it's not, a, you know, like I say, it's not a physical thing. So, you know, I'm, you know, fairly big, uh, you know, you know, boxers and amateur at a decent level, decent level jujitsu, you know, quite strong, done marathons and, and you know, I had this as triathlon. So physically you go out, you know, I'm physically capable. Um, so it's not a physical thing. It's a, to me, it's like, I don't want to look like an idiot in front of. Uh, sure. You can you be, know, you can be you know, intimidated by somebody based on power, on yeah. intellectual ability. Yeah. I mean, 
somebody who's super intellectual could tie yeah. you in knots all day long and you just yeah. stand there babbling and yeah. you're like, oh, yeah. I don't know. I don't even know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and so really anyone who has a top level of skills that mm. that they can, you know, that you don't have, that's intimidating, right? Because yeah. they yeah, they know more in an area of something than you do. Yeah. Um and then it so it all just comes back to confidence and relationships and how you interact with that person. Yeah. So the, you know these these conversations that we've been having have been fantastic for that. Um, you know we've spoke to so many super interesting people, and um, that's been really good for for me. Uh, you know, I know Ali's had benefits out of it as well as definitely as you know how to deal with certain situations and how to you know listen to a conversation and and you know where to take it next or, or you know at least try and, and be better um so you know to me it's been a, a very good mental exercise definitely uh, definitely and, and, and it's- so podcasts are amazing right podcasts are like one of the best things that i think has happened to me in my life mm. because having the ability to just listen to so many people's different experiences and different life stories and the way they the things that they've been through it's just it's fascinating i've always been a big reader i've read a lot and and reading is amazing but podcasting is just kind of a different it's it's different and it can it's really visual, it's the visual thing i think you can look into somebody's yeah, eyes and see that it the, can the, just the open your mind up to to so much stuff if, if you're willing to have an open mind you can just take in so much stuff mm. and i've had my i've had my thoughts and values and opinions and all kinds of things challenged and changed by listening to to podcasts so yeah. i really value i really value podcasts and i i do appreciate you guys having me on because i think it's important it's important work and i love that we have a lot of podcasts and that we have conversations yeah. that can can open up people's minds yeah. to things yeah like i say we we had uh, you know me and ali had already decided um we would we would ask uh, or you know we'd mention to jason to see if you'd be interested before the last one um which was I, you know, I think i said this i think i said this um before but that that you know the second the second one that we did with jason was the first time so actually what's funny is uh the first time we did one i was quite bad i, I was super nervous about looking like an idiot uh, and then you know kind of got my act together a little bit and got a little bit more comfortable and it wasn't until right at the end where where jason started to talk about some gun battle a firefight with the taliban mm. And his eyes, you've seen the change in them. <laughs> okay. So when we talked about it episode 50, we went, okay, let's speak to Jason and let's just see if he wants to talk about war. And he was like, yep, awesome. And then he came yeah. on, it went exactly how we hoped it would go. And uh, it, it's what's hilarious is, you, you know, you're talking about, you know, speaking to a guy who's it, it, life experiences are amazing. I, you know, if Ali said to me, "We're going to speak to Jason once a week," I'd be like, "Awesome!" I'm so, <laughs> uh, so you know, he's telling you these stories, and it's unbelievable, hilarious. Oh, there's so many times on the podcast, I kind of looked at Ali and just smiled, but this is amazing. Um, and then, it, you know, it, I've never, you know, I said this to him. So we both have friends who were in Af- Afghanistan, Iraq as well. Mm-hmm. I have never spoke to somebody who's so excited by war, and then. You get to the end of that podcast, and I, I don't remember if we did this on air or off air. 
you speak to this guy so comfortable t- talking about shooting 50 cars and it just uh, and then him and Ali start to completely geek out about Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> I can remember sitting here and just going, I don't this I don't believe that this is the same person. This is amazing. <laughs> unbelievable. And I I'd only found out I'd only found out about an hour before because I think it might even have been yourself, Iris. I think you posted about your uh your, your ongoing campaign and i was like oh and yeah. i play i played it for years i'm a complete geek so i just scribbled yeah. down a little note D D with two question marks and thought because i appreciate it's geeky and not everyone wants to talk about it so i did i left it till just after we'd finished recording and then mentioned it and just went oh and we must have spoke for about 15 minutes <laughs> off camera just talking about dungeons and dragons hilarious, hilarious. and he's so, like do you follow D dads and i was like no i'll send you a link and he was like, <laughs> Sending the links for all these Instagram feeds to so, follow. Yeah, so that was. So he uh, can get away with he can get away with totally geeking out on D and D because it's hard for anyone to really give him a hard time about it, right? Yeah. When you're like a thirty year combat veteran Navy SEAL, <laughs> it's hard for them to to, to yeah. rib you too hard over yeah, your, your totally. geeking out on D and D. That's that's something uh, I want to ask you. Gen- a genuine Dungeons and Dragons question here, Iris, because I know you yeah. play it as well with the kids, but. I, I back when I was a teenager, I got into it through. I, I grew up in the military. My dad was in the Royal Navy for twenty-two years. My granddad was twenty-eight years in the Royal Marines Commandos. So I grew up in a naval base, naval estate down in Rosyth, and there was a lot of Navy guys did role playing because it's what they used to do pre-internet. They would go away on the boat for six months, and they all used to play ongoing campaigns. See Chris laughing at me in the background there. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> it was it was Navy guys that that, that I started playing with at Dungeons and Dragons. And then one time a Royal Marines commando sergeant came into play and he he dungeon mastered for a while. And he absolutely obliterated us with using his military tactics. Mm-hmm. So he would set up ambushes the way you would set up ambushes if you were in <laughs> so like our characters are walking down and we got ambushed by orcs and like a picture perfect like full on. Has Jason ever used that kind of knowledge that you're aware of to just like decimate um... you guys? I'm sure, well, I think because we play with our kids who are eight and nine years old, he takes it pretty easy on us. Um, you know, we're, we're, we've, we've just been playing together for a year because the kids, you know, I think he always wanted to do that, but the kids have really just gotten to the age where they are able to do it and they do an amazing job at it. But, um, you know they are still kids, so they fall for they fall for traps and things pretty easily. Though they're 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 getting a a healthy level of suspicion about everything. <laughs> going through the campaign of like, you know, where they used to just barge into a room, now they're like checking for traps everywhere and listening at doors and yeah. looking and watch. You know, it's 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 kind of neat to watch them develop mm-hmm. in their abilities to deal with that stuff. Yeah, it's when it's when you're convinced that every piece of furniture might be a mimic that's about yeah. to attack you. <laughs> yeah, like, there's right. a, there's a wardrobe at the back of the room. Attack it! Attack it with a fireball. Why? <laughs> it might be a mimic, just in case. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's funny. I I, I I you know I have no idea what you've just said, but I, I understand the. So it's funny because. Uh, I, I think everybody has their own little things that they geek. So I geek out about anything about mostly Egypt. Like Egypt and space, so you know I'll do you know these crazy things as well, and you know I love to 
you know, you know, when we're rolling, I love to roll hard. You know, I like to jump in cold locks and all this. You know, you kind of things where you 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 feel manly. And then they'll come home and there'll be something on about space. And it's like, oh, I can't wait to watch this thing about yeah. space. <laughs> it's, it's the same thing, but just a different thing that I'm watching. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing. Sure. You, know, you think you're being a tough guy. And it's like, oh, there's something on. Yeah. Oh, Jake Tyson's talking about space. I need to watch yeah. that. It's the same thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, but, you well, know, that... I'll tell you that the thing with Dungeons and Dragons, which I, I didn't grow up playing it. I actually had almost no exposure to it until Jason got us started playing with the kids. Um, you know, I grew up in the 80s and I, I, I knew about it, but I was never around anyone who played. So um, but I did I did grow up reading The Lord of the Rings and stuff and was com- completely loved that. And so um, but what I didn't realize until we started playing is what an amazing game it is for just learning all kinds of stuff. Right. And my favorite part about it is, you know, normally when you play a board game. You're each person is trying to win. But in Dungeons and Dragons, you're a team. You're a team. You have to be a team. If everybody, if you're not looking out for everybody else, you're all going to die. And I think that's such a powerful thing to um, to practice with kids all the time. It's it's for teamwork. It's amazing. Definitely. What what character are you playing at the moment then, Iris? I am a uh, ranger, a half-elf ranger. Nice. That's what I tend to play. I play a lot of half-elf rangers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I could, I could just Chris hang, is over I could there just tuning out. <laughs> yeah. I'll let you guys talk. You could just bring Jason in and you guys can just talk and I'll, I'll just go do something else. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I think you know, with a lot of these things, one of the things that I get quite... A, addicted to things if i really like something i get addicted to it quite easily so i think i think i've avoided a lot of those things in life just because i could quite easily lose four days of my life yeah, in yeah a row. there's only so much time you have for yeah. for things yeah and I, I, you know i haven't um i was talking to who was talking to us about recently so the only i think it's because it just finished was the only tv series i've ever watched in my entire life was vikings um uh, it's all, and uh, you know, people talk to me about you know, all these box sets that I've watched. I haven't seen it. Not interested. You know, you know, over here, there's certain things. You know, people talk. You know, all these. And I, no, I haven't seen it. And uh, one of the reasons is, is you know, like when I started watching, I don't know. Have you ever watched Vikings, Iris? Yeah, I watched the first couple seasons of oh it. Oh my god! And I and I watched some. You know, I I started to watch it like a year ago. Once it was already kind of old, mm-hmm. and I I ended up watching the entire first series one night. Like I just stayed up through the night to watch it because I ended up addicted to things. Like I'm just <laughs> going to keep watching it. You yeah. know, you have you have to go to sleep at some point, but you know, I kind of get like that with things. So I, you know, probably I've avoided these things on purpose, subconsciously avoided them. But um, yeah, uh, that's not, those those um, TV series. They can be dangerous. They can really yeah. suck you in, and boy, they can burn up a lot of time. So I have, I have things to do. Yeah. Um, you know, if Dungeons and Dragons is good enough for the gardeners. Uh, maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe i'll have to look uh, well i mean for anyone with a family like it's such a anytime you're anytime you're all doing something together as a family where everyone's laughing and having a good time together like that it's a win there yeah. so i have to, i do have to caveat just for anyone listening logan does not play it he refuses 
Really? <laughs> he thinks, he thinks it's too nerdy because yeah, dad plays it. Did you tell him that that you know a Navy SEAL who plays it? <laughs> I actually did. Actually, genuinely, after coming off, because I was in the process, again, this is me going to sound a bit geeky, but I was in the process of writing up a new campaign for us to start at some point this year. So I've been writing it in the background for the last couple of months. And I had Logan's like, oh, you're done. Oh, my God, Dad, you're so embarrassing. Do you know how geeky that is? And I was like, hey, Jason Gardner plays it. And he was like, the Navy SEAL guy. And I was like, yeah, he's like, the one with the double bass drum like a Slayer song. Yeah. <laughs> it's like that exact yeah. same dude. And he's like, oh, Stumro playing it. Yeah. 17 <laughs> year old laddie is just no interest in it. He yeah. thinks it's far too, geeky, far too geeky. But now, nah, well, you can't win them all, eh? We've, no. uh, we've, we've taken up a lot of your time, Iris. We're like way, way in. Um, so I will. Uh, stop ourselves because we'll end up just talking all night nonsense yeah. uh, this is what hap- this is what happens is it takes a little while to get comfortable and then once you start getting yeah. comfortable it just yeah. rolls and it rolls and it rolls yeah. Um, so yeah that's like that's like an hour 15 we've got, yeah we're about an hour 10 in the recording just we before we do wind down Iris we always do this and Jason asked us to do it as well and on, on when we asked for his Instagram he refused to do it but for people because your Instagram's incredible I've got my wife following mm. it as well Thank now because I I kept showing her all the pictures and in the end I was like, just just go and follow, it'll be easier than me showing you all the time. <laughs> so just for everyone and anyone that's listening needs to go and follow. Iris, if you'd like to give out your Instagram or anywhere people can find out more about you and your family and all the, the great stuff that you guys do. Sure, yeah. On Instagram, I'm at all the wild places. And um, I'm not really on the other social media platforms very much. I do have a YouTube channel. If you go to YouTube, it's just Iris Gardner. And uh, I've been putting together some videos of just um, horses and the mountains and nature and stuff, which, you know, some people might might enjoy. It's awesome. So cool. that's basically it. It's awesome. We'll tag that in as well. Thank you very much. And, you know, like we were saying, uh, you know, if you guys come over and you need any uh, Scottish knowledge, um, absolutely give us a shout and we'll, we'll, we'll help oh. you however you however you need help. So um, Definitely. Yeah. Thank you very much for your time, Iris. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Epis- Thank you, guys. Thanks, Iris. Episode 54 of the Silly Goose Gang with Iris Gardner from At All The Wild Places, Done and Dusted. The Silly Goose Gang Podcast. <laughs>